Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm really good. Episode three. I'm so excited about our guest today. Yeah, I am too. You want to announce him? Sure, absolutely. So Manny Rodriguez is uh, not only one of my very, very, very best friends, but a colleague and someone in the treatment center industry that I really look up to. And uh, we kind of mentor each other really almost on a daily basis. We have coffee almost every morning. He's in Los Angeles. I'm in Houston. And we have a cup of coffee early, early in the morning and talk about our day and what uh, is on our agendas and any difficulties we're having. And and, uh, just, Manny, thank you for the relationship. And you're an amazing human being. But uh, what I'd love to do is just tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, So Manny Rodriguez is a thought leader in the LGBTQ addiction treatment field. Uh, I say he is the leader. He is a treatment center owner of La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center. He's a fierce advocate for families. He's a community activist that I look up to. And he's the producer of relevant media and true visionary, and a true visionary. Born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey, home of Hamilton, uh, to Puerto Rican parents, he is the 10th of 11 children in mm-hmm. his home. That's always fun to talk to Manny about as his all of his siblings. Uh, attracted to the arts as a child, Manny discovered love, success, and scholarship in dance. He received a BFA in dance from the world-renowned the Juilliard School in New York City, which is amazing. He toured the world extensively with Ballet Hispanico of New York, Paul Taylor American Modern Dance, and Company Atlantique in France. That is so amazing, Manny. Very cool. Thank you. Afterwards, Thank you. Manny moved to Hollywood. Uh, he held many different positions uh, from dance to nightclub promoter. Manny and I have, a, have had a ton of conversation about his nightclub promotions. And mm. he said, I do this. I won't do a promotion for less than this certain budget. And I am I can just imagine some of the promotions and nightclub scenes that Manny promoted back <laughs> in the day. And in 1993, he entered his own recovery. And in 1997, he became the director of promotions and marketing at GameWorks, a startup and subsidiary of Universal, DreamWorks, and Sega. Here, he discovered his business talent. Today, Manny serves as the founder and CEO of La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center. La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center is an intimate, specialized, uh, community-driven program with the mission to heal, strengthen, and advance the lives of LGBTQ people seeking recovery. Additionally, he produces LGBTQ educational materials and video content specific to the addiction treatment world. 
He has served on the boards of the Gay and Lesbian Elder Housing, the Hollywood Studio District Neighborhood Council, co-chair of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce Health and Wellness Committee, and Manny continues to lead the La Fuente fundraising efforts for the Los Angeles LGBTQ Center's youth programs and services, as well as the Van Ness Recovery House. So welcome, Manny Rodriguez, welcome. to the show. You are an amazing friend and mentor of mine. Hi, Manny. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm curious how the two of you met and um, your journey there to you know meeting each other and beyond. Yeah. Manny, you want to run with sure. that? Sure. Yeah, I can, I can run with that. So I met... Dr. Flowers, James, I don't know how I, I should address them on this <laughs> on this wonderful broadcast. And before I even get into that, number one is congratulations on on this podcast that you're doing. Thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege, really, to to be invited and, and be amongst uh, such incredibly talented and inspiring people. So thank you for that. Getting back to the question, I met Dr. Flowers at a luncheon in Palm Springs at a, we were both, well, we were, we were attending an LGBTQ conference that was being put on by a treatment center. And I hosted a lunch with a woman by the name of Susan Moffat, who mm -hmm. works in our space and who is amazing. And Dr. Flowers was at this lunch what year? Uh, this was five years ago, yeah, six five years, years ago, ago. five, okay. six years five ago. or six years ago. Yeah. And he sat on the other side of the room. He introduced himself and I wanted to go over and, and speak to him and meet him. But when the lunch was over, he was gone. <laughs> so I thought to myself, OK, this that's, guy that's ate and ran. Fun. Right. That was the first thing that, you know, he ate and ran. It's called like, dine and dash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He like dined and dashed. Before the bill came. Anyway, but as, <laughs> as fate would have it, um, we were brought together through uh, someone who ended up working, who still works for Jay Flowers Institute, and I think a lot of uh, James's efforts in the space, Leonard. And it was like immediate. I literally, I think we had one dinner mm. where you were in LA for something, and I remember we went to. Was it Nobu? It was. It was Nobu. Yeah, West Hollywood. It was Nobu. And I remember parking on Melrose Avenue because when I came back, I had a ticket. Yep. Uh, and I remember, but it was instant. And um, I think the real magic, or the, I think what makes that really special was that I'd been working in the treatment space probably about five or six years at that point. I've been working in transitional housing, sober living, sober environment. A lot of people know it as, 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 as very different things. And I hadn't really met anyone who, A, I had this connection with and who I felt I could trust. And Dr. Flowers um, sort of made that available to me without that even being spoken. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just started reaching out to him and, and it was just this relationship that was super organic and how it happened. And it wasn't mm -hmm. about, what, you know, what do you have for me or what do I have for you? It was just this genuine, what I believe was a real interest in what we were each doing and how we could support each other. So that's really how that happened. And I think over the years, I've always gone to James to help me work through 
ideas or problems that, you know, alone in my own thinking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't try to solve on my own. So mm-hmm. he's, he's been a mentor to me. So. Well, and likewise, it's been very, very, very mutual. And, uh, and as Manny said, we've been in this field, you know, long enough to know so many people around the United States. And, uh, and, and Manny is just someone in this field that is authentic, mm-hmm. uh, is just so uh, ethical and real and down to earth and, really uh, and really lives what he preaches. Uh, to the clients at La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center and to the LGBT community. And, and Manny, you're such a community activist, and I look up to that, and I want to, I strive to be what you are in that community activism that you do. And so uh, why don't you share, Manny, just a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, mm. about your story of recovery and success at La Fuente or in your career? Uh, my career. So... Okay, so in in terms of like my own recovery, I got sober in August of 1993. So this year I will be celebrating 27 years of recovery, which I, you know, I really believe is one of the greatest things that ever happened. It is by far the greatest thing that ever happened. Mm -hmm. I've had some really cool things happen in my life. I've been Mm -hmm. given um, enormous opportunities and I blew a lot of those as well. But I think recovery is, is by far the, the greatest gift that I was given. So I'm so grateful for it. I, you know, I didn't go to treatment, so I had no idea what treatment was and how I ended up working in treatment. I don't question it anymore. Uh, I try to tell my story so that it be, it's not that it feels authentic because I don't want to create a perception about something that isn't. So I ended up working in treatment as just sort of like just taking the next step and, and, and doing what was right in front of me. After, you know, working in a corporate job for five years, I was trying to find myself. Uh, I, I, that job started in L.A. and then I moved to Miami for that job and then that job ended and I came back here. And so I was trying to find out what it was that I was supposed to be doing. I thought it was one thing, but you know, the universe always has a funny way of saying no to you here. And, and then it puts you here and you're like, I don't really want to be here. Right. And the universe is saying, no, you're supposed to be here. So, um, I didn't know that at the time I just felt like, Oh my God, you know, nobody wants to hire me. Nobody likes me. And, you know, Put aside that 9-11 had just happened and right. we were really in a, in, a, in a different time. So what happened was I opened a sober living and that was really as a result of looking around the Hollywood area and seeing that there really wasn't a sober living that could meet the needs of of every specific mm-hmm. LGBTQ person, right? Mm-hmm. There were it, it wasn't that there weren't sober livings, but they weren't right in the heart of Hollywood. And I really believed in Hollywood. I knew Hollywood would have a comeback, that there would be a renaissance, there was great history there, and that it was a mecca for recovery. So uh, I, I opened this sober living. I had this other job called selling houses. So I kept doing this other job and running this sober living with the help of some people. and. People were always putting in my ear, 
you should open a treatment center. Why don't you just turn this into a treatment center? And I literally, it went in this ear and it would come out of that ear just simply because I had no idea what running a treatment center meant. Sure. Uh, and then there was a treatment center a mile away from us that was LGBTQ, primarily 21 beds. And it closed within, I think they, they there was conversations that it would close mm-hmm. and then it closed. And I really hadn't paid any attention to it. I just knew a few people that maybe were going to buy it. And I was really just invested in running sober living and doing my other job. And then I, I, I don't know, I was walking or some, I don't exactly know when the moment was, but I stopped and I thought, and this was after they had already closed and mm-hmm. it was maybe a few months later. And I stopped and I thought, I wonder if there's a need for a sober living that really caters to, um, I didn't even think LGBTQ. So let me correct that. I just thought, is there space for a program in Hollywood? And I ran it past a few people and they said, yes. And so I just started speaking to people. I hired a consultant. I learned as much as I could, as quick as I could. I rubbed two nickels together and I prayed and I said, okay, I'm going to just try this. Uh, and you know, we're licensed. I, I literally was learning as I was going. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what a clinician did. I had no idea what a treatment plan was. I knew zero, Mm -hmm. zero, zero. I, I, my gut told me, you know, at some point it became clear to me, there's a need and we had run an extremely successful sober living. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was a real, uh, gift to the community. And and we had so many great outcomes from it that I thought, well, it can't be that much. It can't be that much more difficult. Well, what year are you on right now? As you're talking, I mean, you're talking about what year are you at in your life at that point? You mean in my recovery? No, no, point? no. Thinking about purchasing it. You know, you're oh, having this thought so the, like... The, the Silver Living opened in 2005. Mm-hmm. Okay. The And so we did that for six years. In 2011, we became licensed. And it was gender specific, so it was men only. There wasn't... Mm-hmm. The word LGBTQ was nowhere to be found on our website oh. anywhere. And it was intentional just simply because I thought, well, I don't really want to be that specific. I don't want to pigeonhole myself. And sure. But there was always this 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 wandering. Of, and, and then this unease when, when you know, and it, because ultimately who ended up coming were primarily gay men. And then we would always, from time to time, get a heterosexual man. And it was always trying to manage, well, how do you do this? with a heterosexual man coming into a primarily uh, mm-hmm. a, a treatment center that's populated primarily by gay men. And not that it was ever a problem, but there was always this unease. And it became clear to me that, and it, I didn't even come up with this, one of my clinicians in, in a very sort of informal conversation said, I think you really should focus on the LGBTQ community. And I just was like, why? And she was like, well, that's who's showing up here. Uh And I thought, okay, well, let me think about that. And I did. 
And one of the things that I got to really investigate in all of that was that I had my own internalized homophobia mm-hmm. around owning a business that would be LGBTQ. And it was more financially driven than I think it was really not being out. Everyone knew I was gay. Everyone knew my story to some degree. But there was a there was a homophobia about the business part. However, I think it became very clear to me that it was the right thing to do. And I looked around at who else was was doing this. And at that point, there really was one private pay insurance based program in the country that was really LGBTQ. Now they existed, but they were more like publicly funded uh, social models. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to just dedicate my life to focusing on working with the LGBTQ population. And I thought, oh, this will be a slam dunk, right? Mm -hmm. No. No. And um, I would say that I I think we've come to the, I I think that we we finally, and I don't want to say we arrived, but I think that the idea and the effort behind what we've been trying to do has finally been matched with people trusting what we do, the work, the clinicians that are there. And I also, I, you know, I know, and I also know, and James can attest to this, is that once I made that decision, I didn't question it. Right. People would say, well, maybe you should open. And I was like, no, we're going to stick to this. We're staying in this lane. We're not moving out of this lane. I'm not going to try and serve this population and another population. I really believe there's a space just for this. Mm-hmm. And if we focus on doing great work and really learn more about our community, mm-hmm. we will be successful. And that and really I think became that's what's happening. That really became part of your mission as well at La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center is community driven treatment. Why don't you talk just a little bit about the mission of La Fuente? Right. So you know, when I whenever I talk about community driven, I always have to include the other two things. So La Fuente is an intimate, specialized and community-driven treatment program. It's intimate because we're a smaller program. And I'm a really big fan of smaller programs just simply because I believe that mental health and behavioral health and addiction treatment is something that is an extremely serious condition. And not that the bigger programs can't accomplish this, but I think that when you have more of an intimate setting, I think that you can just do better work. Mm-hmm. I think that there is an opportunity to really dive in and give people the attention and the care that they need that I'm not so sure that in a treatment center that has 100 people, you may get that. It's right. possible. People yeah. go there and they do get sober. Yeah. Uh, and so we're intimate and our work is extremely hands-on. It's really individualized treatment planning, et cetera, specific because we work with the LGBTQ treatment uh, community. And then community driven because I am a real believer that without community, people cannot stay sober long-term. They just can't. Right. You know, addiction 
in, in particular is, is a disease of loneliness. And so community is such an important part of our treatment goals, our treatment planning, and our follow-up. And the way that it plays out at La Fuente is that, and right now we're in, in, in the, the world of COVID, but we have an in-house meeting that is attended by people who live in our community, as well as our alumni. And our clients, as soon as they come into treatment, they're meeting these people. They're mm -hmm. being mirrored. And, you know, site, you know, clinically, we know that that's just better just simply because they respond better mm -hmm. to treatment. They see themselves. We start introducing them to the community immediately. Of course, we have to protect them, you know, based on our license and HIPAA, et cetera. Uh, and then when they leave treatment, we step them down. They don't have to go to our aftercare, but they have the ability to do that. And as soon as they're done with their aftercare services, our alumni program is so strong. And, and I can attest that we, to that because yeah, when I, things, I just want to jump in and say I try to get out to L.A. twice a month or so. And I always want to be there on a Wednesday night because at La Fuente Hollywood, they have their alumni open AA meeting. And it is amazing to show up with Manny or go visit Manny on a Wednesday night at La Fuente oh. Hollywood Treatment Center because what do you have, 100 alumni at a big open meeting and the residents in treatment? And it's just this very powerful meeting of oh. people in recovery that are in working a program and in recovery and then your residents there as well. Right, right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. And so what we what we are what we attempt to do and i think that it's, it's been extremely successful because we have a very successful community program and we have great results i mean you know getting people to follow the prescription after they leave treatment and sober living and aftercare it's not always easy yeah. uh, you know the the addicted mind is 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 the mind that tells itself a different story, right, than the one that's really there. And so getting them to follow the prescription sometimes can be challenging, but we work really hard on that. The other piece of the community-driven um, belief is that with our alumni in particular, mm -hmm. but, our, but our clients that are in treatment get to witness this as well. And this is really where we do our work with the other programs, whether it be the Van S House, where we, do things right within our facility that help either raise money for the Vaness House or we do a gift drive during Christmas. Mm -hmm. and we get our alumni really involved so that they realize that it's not just about us, that we live in a community, a yeah. community of people that have needs and that we need to try and help fill those needs. We work with the Los, An the Los Angeles LGBT Center, their youth program, mm -hmm. um, their homeless program, Six, you know, 60% of all the homeless use on the streets of Hollywood are LGBTQ. Yeah. Well, on that right? subject. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say real quickly, and, and Robin, we'll get right back to that in just a second. Yeah. But what I wanted you to talk about also, Manny, is, is let's talk about meth and the gay culture. Sure. So, so methamphetamine, uh, which, you know, it's a drug that's been around for decades and decades and decades and it was used i think in times of war just to help people stay up uh so they they wouldn't get killed mm -hmm. it's a drug that is very popular among gay men 
in particular. It's not exclusive to gay men, but if you look at the LGBTQ population, um, it, again, gay men aren't the only ones using this drug. I think trans women mm-hmm. will use this drug too, you know, especially trans women who may be sex workers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. don't, you know, who work on their own and need to stay alert while they're working. But gay men, which, you know, and, and gay white men, although that is really changing as well, we've really seen an increase in people of color, African-Americans as well, come through our doors. Um, what, what methamphetamine does is a drug, right? The, the effects produced by methamphetamine is that they completely change how we feel in a way that dismisses all the shame that we carry with our about ourselves for a lifetime mm-hmm. and it's very addictive just simply because it feels so good that um sex becomes intertwined it becomes an accessory behavior of of using this drug and so we work a lot. That's we work a lot with 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 mm-hmm. methamphetamine clients. I would say it's probably the bulk of of, of the work that we do. Uh, one of the things that and and the reason why the drug works so well is because what it does is that it it rushes. Where if you have a, a, a say a cookie right or mm-hmm. you have an orgasm, it your brain is going to release about let's say a hundred units. I mean, that's probably not correct sure. in terms of the size, a hundred units of dopamine. And that's that thing they go, mm, that so good. tastes so good. When you use meth, it releases like a thousand, two hundred times of that. Mm-hmm. So the feeling is, is so, um, overwhelmingly positive, overwhelming for it. And so all this stuff that you've been carrying for, you know, whether it's internalized homophobia or shame trauma or, you know, mm-hmm. not feeling validated, it just like uh, everything feels good. Right. And so, but it, it, it's also, it really screws up the, the chemistry in your brain. And so getting the brain to heal takes quite some time. And it's one of those areas that we, uh, even pharmacology needs to get better at really providing medications that can really help with reducing the cravings. um, And um, yeah, primarily reducing the cravings and really helping with the withdrawal because they always say, well, there's no withdrawal with um, amphetamines or stimulants. And Mm -hmm. and we know that that's not true. It's just not true. Yeah. I found something online that I read to Dr. Flowers today, and I wanted to to read it to both of you now, if I may, Mm -hmm. uh, and get your take on this. Um, According to the SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 20 to 30 percent of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender population are substance abusers. This higher-than-average rate of addiction can be attributed to a variety of factors, the physical along with the emotional and mental health issues related to addiction are complicated by additional issues related being in the LGBT community, which is often targeted with homophobia, suspicion, and even violence. Addiction issues will continue to worsen without intensive specialized treatment, in turn further damaging your sense of self, 
mental health, and physical being. It is crucial to find a rehab center experienced in managing your specific concerns regarding LGBT issues in addition to your drug or alcohol addiction. And Robin, that's exactly why choosing La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center specifically for the LGBTQ plus community is so important. Manny, why don't you address that? Why is it important to our audience to choose a program that specializes in the LGBTQ community for that population rather than a generalized program in the general population? Right. Thank you Mm -hmm. for the question. And and Robin, thank you for reading that. You need to copy and paste it and send it to me when you have a moment. And um, and you you know what? I am am very familiar with these statistics, right? Because I I would say that it's anywhere between 20 to 28% of LGBTQ people have a higher propensity to substance use disorder than their counterparts. Right. Um, and, and and so we would question, why is that? Why is it that LGBTQ people have a higher uh, propensity? And it's because we carry all these um, unresolved emotions or we internalize mm-hmm these these ideas about ourselves that have been told to us or we're tormented or we're we have arrested development you know and the list can go on to infinitum and so that's really one of the reasons and again right. it's one of those yeah statistics it's one of the the, the causes of, of 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 this dilemma that I think needs greater investigation. It needs more research. It needs more money. It needs more um, dedication. It really right. needs a greater sense of urgency around how to solve this. When you think of how many teenage children, mm. LGBTQ children, commit suicide mm-hmm. in comparison to their counterparts. Like this is an emergency. It is. Uh-huh. This is an emergency. Right. Right. Especially right. when you're looking at, or not especially, but equally when you're looking at one of the populations that you treat uh, quite frequently are trans women. Right. And you put a trans woman into a mainstream treatment center. And that human being, right, when we're talking about human condition, mm-hmm. you put that person into mm-hmm. a group setting uh with a bunch of heterosexual male and female individuals mm-hmm. and that individual freezes mm-hmm. and really feels as Manny said unsafe mm-hmm. unheard un not understood uh and so i am just you know right with Manny on the importance of when you're working with a population and you're screening someone for treatment in that population mm-hmm. is look at does this person need to be in an lgbtq specific program with an LGBTQ community. So Manny, thank you so much uh, for doing this today. Is there anything that, that we want to wrap up with? Because we're short two on time. Two minute warning here. Yeah. yeah. Is there Manny, anything else any you want to share? Well, I mean, I, I think that when people are considering treatment mm-hmm. and it's for an LGBTQ client, I think it's really important to look at who is providing the treatment. Mm-hmm. If they say, well, we have an LGBT track or we're out, if they, if they, if they say they're LGBTQ friendly run, mm-hmm. 
That's right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, because yeah. it's like saying, say, habla espanol in the window <laughs> of a furniture store. Uh, but I think it's really important to get on the phone, mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. ask who is on that staff, what is their training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would even say, where did they go to school? Because we all know that there are there are universities right now that are really specializing in LGBTQ affirmative treatment, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. that's oh. what I would say. And um, Manny, yeah. how would they? How does someone reach you? How do they reach you? How do they reach La Fuente? Right. So you can always visit our website at www.lafuentehollywood.com, okay. or they can call us at. 323-464-2947. Ask for Edwin Sanchez in admissions or just ask for admissions. One of the most Someone amazing admissions people in the country, by the way. Yeah. Edwin's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My whole staff is just like off the hook, yeah. really. I, I'm so mm -hmm. lucky to have the the dedication and the expertise that, that we have at La Fuente. Uh, really, our clients have superb superb care and i'm so awesome. proud of the work that they do and i also feel like there's so much we don't know there really mm -hmm. is so much we don't know and that's really what is exciting about the work yeah. is yeah. you know there's so many you know trans clients coming into the space and being escorted onto the property by their parents i mean mm. 10 years ago right. wouldn't have been seen no heard of yeah. oh that's awesome on heard of well, so there's so much that you know to learn and, and 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 from the learning comes really being able to just provide better and better care so that ultimately what we're really doing is is we're really following our mission and that is to really heal communities because when we heal our community we heal all the communities right, right when that community right. over there is healed that's they right. help heal us mm -hmm. yeah. that's right well, thank you for all that you are and all that you do for the LGBTQ community. And thank you for being on our show. Yeah, Manny, thanks yeah. so much. It's good to see you on the screen, and, yeah. and I'll talk thank to you, you on the phone tomorrow morning, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, and nice to meet you, Robin. I'm excited about you joining this team. Thank you. I can't um, wait to come and tour your place. Right. One and of I these days. Come, well, this I is... can't wait to come tour your place. I have not seen the, the, the new Fabulous. Oh, you have to. Flowers yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't yeah, wait we for can't you to wait. get out here. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Flowers, if they want to reach J. Flowers Health Institute, how do we do that? You bet. Uh, similar to the same way you reach Manny's La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center is you go to jflowershealth.com. That's the J. Flowers Health Institute. Or you can call us at 713-783-6655. Thank you, everybody. And thank, thank you, you, Manny, very much. In. Talk thank to you, you. next Talk week. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.